This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in. It's the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. He is Sean Fitz. Spring break is over in State College. We're back with new episodes this week. We're back on the practice field next week. A lot going on right now as Penn State set to start spring practices next Monday, March 21st. NFL uh, Pro Day coming to campus again next week. So a lot to look forward to. We're going to, in our second episode this week, go through some key spring camp storylines, look ahead to position battles and all that sort of stuff. Right now, we've got some catching up to do. Our last episode dropped on March 2nd. I was away on vacation. Lance, our producer, got married. Congratulations to him. Sean, you were home with your two boys during spring break, so you were busy as well. We're back. We're reassembled. Um, and Sean, six days from now, Penn State back on the practice field. Back on the practice field. You look rested and refreshed for a, uh, for a new father. It. I mean, you got some sun to you. Lance, are you get Lance? Can you come on the recording for a second, real quick? What's hey, up, buddy? Lance is our newlywed, and also, hey, hey Lance, Rutgers basketball is in the tournament. How about that? Rutgers basketball is in the tournament. I uh, hey, 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 wait, 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 I'll give you 15 seconds. Go. Why is Rutgers, Rutgers going to beat Notre Dame? Tournament. It really capped off my weekend. Obviously, as as you guys said, I got married this weekend, and Sunday they were announced to be playing in the first four. So I'm excited. I got a ring on my finger now. Uh, something I have to get used to, uh, but overall a pretty good weekend and a pretty good spring break. Time. Okay. That's it. All right. Thanks Lance for joining us. That's <laughs> all the record basketball coverage you get. They of course <laughs> playing the playing game against Notre Dame, but thanks for Lance. Thanks to Lance for joining us. Uh, yeah, it's a, it, it's a bridge weekend in happy Valley. Spring break is over. We got spring practice next week. As Tyler mentioned, a lot of things coming up. Not really. We didn't really miss anything with coaches on, uh, not on campus. They're all on vacation. Players are all on vacation doing that sort of thing. We did get a little bit of time with the uh, strength and conditioning program before we left. Uh, the max out day, which we love to go to every year, gives you a sense of the, the competition that's going on right now. Um, they, we always get the squat day for some reason, which is great. It's good. It's great content. We get to see a lot of the players that we haven't seen all offseason. That's the first time we've been in the weight room or what they consider the weight room right now, which is just one side of Haluba Hall as the weight room gets finished uh, shooting for August for that to be uh, that to be done, by the way. Um, but no, it was, it was great. You got a chance to see some of the guys that, uh, you know, we haven't seen much of. Adisa Isaac was there. Hakeem Beeman was there. PJ Mustafer was great to see him lifting pretty much as much as I do on the squat rack, which is, it feels good for me, but obviously he's coming along with his, uh, with his rehab for his knee pretty well. Um, but it was just great to get in there and see those guys working at it. And it, and it seemed uh, just, uh, there was a lot of juice in that building. Yeah. We've told the story a bunch during the last couple of years, but, but the last encounter we had with the Penn State football program pre-pandemic was this open weight room session back in 2020. Franklin walking around shaking everybody's hands and all of a sudden we haven't seen anybody since. We haven't been in the media room at, at Beaver Stadium. That's going to change on Monday. James Franklin at the podium. 
us in the seats. First time we'll do that in a couple of years, actually going back to 2019, I suppose, or the winter that followed that season. So uh, more signs of, of, of getting back to, to what we have, you know, kind of been in the routine for covering Penn State. And Sean, you know, one thing we were certainly looking for going into that and getting eyeballs on the program and, and having a chance to hear from Chuck Losey was updates on Adiza Isaac, Hakeem Beeman, P.J. Mustafer. You talked about Mustafer limited but involved. Great sign. You wrote a story last week about uh, just the impact that he his return has had on this team. Chuck Losey said himself, um, P.J. Mustafer is essentially a heart and soul leader of this team, and, and if he's not uh, the leader, he's certainly one of them. And um, I, I think the big thing here, Adiza Isaac, Sounds like he's primed to go for launch with spring ball. That that's kind of been the been the report for a while. You've talked about that here on the podcast. Uh, missed all of last season. Expected him to step up as a starter, maybe be a breakout kind of player in year three. Did not happen because of an injury before training camp. That's really big to get him back. We've talked about defensive end depth. Uh, can you count on some of these younger players? Can Penn State still pick up an edge rusher in the transfer portal? Will they will they swing and miss in, in, in that regard? If Adiza Isaac is back and he's back on a trajectory that we thought he might be in 2021, it's a huge answer to a, a potential issue there. Yeah, I mean, this, there's still an issue at defensive end with him, but mm -hmm. just getting him back or having the ability to have him back is good. As we mentioned, you know, I wouldn't expect to see him full bore in the spring. I don't think there's any reason for it. So, but just to see him out there, to see him lift him with those guys, it's good. Chuck Losey was asked about those guys. He was asked about uh, Adisa Isaac and Hakeem Beeman, especially. It was funny because it was kind of like a Franklin answer. Like, yeah, they're here. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They've done, you know, so I, I wouldn't take that as, Hey, everybody's 100% and ready to go, but it's good to see them making, you know, uh, visual progress in front of us, lifting and doing all that stuff. And and as you said, with Mustafer getting him back for for just for the leadership aspect of it, don't expect him to do anything in the spring practice, but uh, just for the leadership aspect of it is huge because you've been around PJ, we've been around PJ for years, and he's just magnetic. He's and and I think you can see some of that leadership sort of cultivating on that defensive side of the ball, uh, not only with PJ Mustafer but also at the second level with Curtis. Jacobs, which is something that we've talked about before. We weren't sure if he would be vocal enough to, to be that guy. It seems like things are coming along nicely there. And Jair Brown, people in the program just raving about his presence, um, not only uh, you know from a leadership standpoint, but a physical standpoint as well. So um, starting to see some of the, the pieces of that defense, which obviously has some retooling to do after losing some quality players uh, from last year. You know, you're starting to see that come together a little bit. Uh, Chuck Losey was talking about the progress there of guys like Jalen Reed, like Zariah Fisher on defense. So these guys that are going to be going from young prospects to guys that they potentially lean on and potential starters. Um, you know, I think that's a, that's that's a good direction to go in from from that angle. Um, other than that, I mean, just seeing some other guys going back to the injury front. We did see Salim Wormley, but we didn't see much of Salim Wormley, which makes me think he's still pretty limited going into the spring practice, which is going to be it's going to be an issue for that offensive line. I, I, we, we've penciled him in uh, to be in that right guard spot with Golden Israel Achumba, but obviously. Salim Wormley's got a little bit more experience, been been around a little bit more, and and I think has a higher level of uh, of base to work with right now. So um, that's going to be something to watch for the next couple of weeks because Hunter Norzad won't be at, uh, on campus until May. So, but that's going to be something we're going to be talking about the the rest of spring ball. We're going to talk about the the deficiencies in the offensive line um, until they can get some bodies in there to sort of retool what they're doing there. Yeah, and and you know. 
pretty soon after we had the Adiza Isaac confirmation of his injury last August when Penn State opened up training camp, the very early rumblings of the Sakeem Beeman uh, mystery got going. And of course, it's one that lasted into September until James Franklin confirmed that while Akeem Beeman was out there participating on the practice field as a scout team member, he would not play any games for Penn State. Uh, still no public reason given for that. He remains on the roster. He's back up to 275, according to the roster. He was, I think he was down toward 250 um, at some points last year. Sean, I don't know what to make of him, but this time last year, we were circling Akeem Beeman as a potential physical presence that this team needed. And I, right now, it feels like if that is the case, it's a tremendous bonus, but it's hard to hang your hat on anything right now we'll, we'll see next week if he's out there if he's involved and and if he's a rotational piece or if he's still with the scout team i suppose yeah given given his background i mean you, you can't lean on him because he's you know he wasn't here all last year and he's been a guy that uh, you know you you're grateful to have back because he's a tremendously talented player but at the same time you know even without mustafer and expecting mustafer back for the season you've got devon ellies you've got kaziah izzard you've got uh, jordan vandenberg so you're you're a pretty decent spot at defensive tackle right now without him so you add him to the mix and and things look look decent there so um you know i i, I don't know i i, I just I, I would caution against leaning on him too much right now and i think he's got to build up he's you know it's been a long time since he's played competitive football we knew we saw him in the scout team a few times last year but towards the end of the season we didn't see him much at practice we didn't see him at the bowl game um so getting back into that competition aspect of it i think is going to be a big deal for him and i and i hope he makes the the strides that he needs to make because i think he's a really talented player um, they still see him as an interior prospect. I know there's issues that, uh, with numbers at defensive end, but, uh, you know, I think this is one that, that could really help. I mean, as you said it, we, we were penciling him, uh, with PJ must for his starters and Derek Tangelo as a, as a rotational piece. And then all of a sudden Beeman's not playing Tangelo, I thought had a really good year last year. Um, and now all of a sudden things, things look a little bit different at that, pro at, at that position excuse me because of guys like ellie's and guys like izzard so um we'll see what happens with with beeman i, I would just take baby steps with him yeah beeman and isaac both year four players they were part of that 2019 recruiting class key year for a lot of that group um elsewhere in the defensive front zariah fisher got a shout out from losi for his progress you mentioned a few of the uh, other players who who losi pointed to jalen reed among them but fisher he, he was singled out by john scott a few times during winter conditioning we're going to see how it translates onto the field this year but I came away from Tampa when we got a long look at, at the practice field down there for the Outback Bowl, thinking Zariah Fisher uh, is the solution to the need for a, a, a twitch athlete off the edge, an explosive presence. I'm not sure where else you get that kind of juice at the position right now from the guys that we've seen in-game action. I, I think you, you like a lot what, what Smith Vilbert can bring, and, and he flashed against Arkansas. But to me, Zariah Fisher, maybe that there is the, the biggest room for him to go from, from how he's viewed now to how he's viewed in December. I think he's got a major ceiling to develop. We heard from Jesse Lucchetta on our on our episode earlier this month, uh, you know, kind of talking about the, the ability for, for Zariah Fisher to take that next step in his second year in that defensive end group. Um, and to me, hearing you know, further confirmation from Chuck Losey that Zariah Fisher is the guy who's bringing it every day and, and buying into it. Um, again, it, it's got to translate onto the practice field for him to take that next step. But we talk about the, the importance of Adiza Isaac in terms of guys who were active last year and can move forward. You got Nick Tarburton back. But to me, uh, this is vital to see Zariah Fisher really look like a Big Ten ready defensive end and look like he's ready to carry a, a significant volume of snaps on a game by game basis. Well, you, you made a couple of good points in there in that, uh, you know, I, I don't really see him as like a three down guy, a guy that's going to be out there. So you've got you've got guys 
sort of like that, or the first two down guys like that in uh, Smith Vilbert, Nick Tarburton, Amin Vanover, guys that can hold up against the run. Fisher, I don't think is there yet, but if you can, you know, put that blueprint out there that Jesse laid last year where you can use him as a hybrid and you're not going to use Zariah Fisher as a middle linebacker, but there are ways that they use those twitchy defensive ends. And that's what they're looking for in the portal. They're not looking for a, another guy that can, can be like Tarburton or something like that. You're looking for a guy that can get to the quarterback. And, and I think Fisher can be that guy. I'm not sure he's there yet, but I think he can be that guy. We've seen a tremendous player uh, over several years at the high school level. And as he continues to get bigger and he still seems pretty athletic, pretty, you know, coming off the edge, pretty twitchy. Um, So I'm excited to see him. I'm not, not quite there, not quite sold on. He's going to be a guy that has a a huge impact right away, but I think he has that potential and he can, he can get there. So I'm right there with you with Fisher. I'm excited to see him. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see this defensive line come together, not in the nece- not necessarily because they're going to be a dominant offensive line, but I think there's a lot of mystery and intrigue. And and to be honest with you, I think there's a lot of um, untapped talent that uh, that John Scott has has really done a nice job of, of getting the most of some of these guys. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see it again, not because it's going to be a dominant unit, but because it, that's what we like to see at this time of year is how do these questions get answered? And Penn State strength coach Chuck Losey pointed out two offensive players, uh, veterans on this team, not veterans, but guys who've been around uh, at least since last year. Harrison Wallace, second year wide receiver, was one of them. Uh, He referred to him as methodical in his approach. Um, And then he also went to Caden Wallace. Uh, He said they have seen a, quote, gear shift in Caden Wallace. And I think that's an important way to phrase it because. Uh, Wallace is going to stay at tackle from what we understand. I know a lot of us, and we talked about it on the podcast after after the bowl game, would he move to guard? Is that the best fit for this unit? And Phil Troutwine doesn't sound like it. So if he's your right tackle again, going to be his third year playing at that spot, um, to hear that he's had a gear shift change, this is a guy that, that stands to make himself a bunch of money if that gear shift comes to fruition on the football field. But more importantly, to help solidify an offensive unit, uh, an offensive line unit that is just in flux. We've talked about parts that could help it, but it's all pie in the sky right now coming off of that season. Well, I mean, you look at Penn State's offense and and nobody is more scrutinized aside from the guy that takes the snaps. You know, obviously, you know, we're going to talk quarterback a lot, but uh, nobody probably more scrutinized coming back than Caden Wallace because you're wondering, you know, some of the stuff you saw on tape last year was downright bad. And he's got to, he's, he has to shift gears. He has to take a next step. And I think he's talented enough that he can do that. It's just a matter of, of, of can he catch that and can he process that all and, and get where he needs to be as a tackle. You know, we can have the guard tackle discussion all day, but, you know, right now you're, you're lining up probably with, with Olu at left tackle, with Landon Tangwall at left guard, uh, with Juice Scruggs at center, probably Salim or Golden at, at, at right guard, and then, of course, Caden Wallace at right tackle. And we've talked about Tyler Steen. We've talked about some of these portal tackles and things like that. They, Penn State seems confident in, in, in Caden Wallace. I know Penn State fans, a lot of Penn State fans aren't confident in, in, in that, but Penn State seems confident that he can make a leap. And that's a big bet to make, obviously. But at the same time, uh, if you think you've got your guy, um, then yeah, I mean, I guess you, I guess you're going to roll with it. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm excited for Caden. You know, he's always been a guy that's, uh, has seemed resilient and he's going to need that resiliency to, to come out and, and be at a better or be at a, a higher level than he was and just be better than he was last year. Down in Tampa, Mike Yersich was asked about Caden Wallace moving to guard and he kind of looked at the reporter like they had two heads, uh, said it was not on their radar. We were wondering if that was a poker face. 
turns out he's going to stay at tackle. So uh, we'll see. But again, that 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 note from Lucy, I thought was interesting on Caden Wallace. More praise for Nick Singleton and Zane Durant. That's been the theme of winter of winter workouts for those freshmen. That, um, I mean, but, that's that's routine by now, right? Yeah, that's we're, we're those two guys. Those two guys. I mean, you you reported on that pretty early in winter conditioning. That we heard from their position coaches through those Twitter shoutouts. We heard from Lucy. Now I'm sure we'll hear about hear about them from James Franklin and his press conference on Monday. Um, and then just a few other players who stood out in the weight room. Very curious to see how each of them progress in pads this spring. Tyler Warren at tight end, uh, Fatoma Mulba and Jordan Vandenberg, Vandenberg at defensive tackle. All three of those guys were kind of wow presences uh, in, the, in the weight room this winter. And all three of those guys, uh, and starting to me with Tyler Warren, um, have an opportunity here to take a big step in 2021 or 2022, yeah. I should say. Yeah, I mean, Tyler Warren, I think he said set the squat record for tight ends. That's a pretty good bar to reach, especially for what you would consider your third guy right now. And, um, you know, I think he's tremendously talented physically and, and a guy that, you know, by the end of his recruitment, thought he was a four star guy just based on some of the stuff that we saw. Of course, the mystery and intrigue around him, seeing as how he was quiet, didn't have a Twitter or anything like that, you know, sort of played into w what we didn't know about him. But what we found out about him from a physical angle is pretty darn good. So I'm um, excited to see his progress. Mulba is very interesting to me because, as I mentioned, there are better football players ahead of him on that depth chart right now. There's not, I don't think there's stronger football players ahead of him on that depth chart. The kid's a house, um, but uh, he's a, he's a guy that's tough to move. And Vandenberg, I think will eventually uh, work his way, probably surprise some people and work his way into the rotation this year. So there, there are a couple of guys um, that, that, that were singled out by Lozu, by the way, Chuck um, Chuck's never been one to get in front of the camera, but he was ready to go on uh, on Thursday. Whenever we saw him, he had the uh, that the handlebar mustache ready to go. By the way, I think he's the original um, with that. I know we talk about Aaron Field, who was at Oregon, is now at Miami, but Fields came after Losey and, and and got in front of the cameras and was a little bit more look at me than Chuck. Chuck just kind of go with, and went with it. Now that he's the head guy, he's using a little bit extra wax on that. So that was good to see from Chuck. Also, recruiting uh, continues to, to uh, change and evolve as we got 2023 offers, 2024 offers. And, and while we were away, one that really stood out, Sean, was Landon Montgomery getting on the target board for 2023 with Penn State. He's an in-state running back from Scranton Prep. Of course, we know the history here with Pennsylvania running backs. The number one recruit at the position last cycle, Nick Singleton, is now on campus as a freshman. Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Journey Brown, each rose to stardom with the Nittany Lions. And when they offer an in-state running back, we're going to look at it. And you wrote about this last week. Yeah, I wrote about this. Uh, London Montgomery from Scranton Prep, tremendously talented uh, and productive, really. You know, you look at what he did at, at Scranton Prep last year, over 2,300 yards. Um, great kid, too. Everybody that I've talked to, um, you know, that it's been around him just as great kid, great family, really fits into what uh, what Penn State likes to do in terms of recruiting. Um, in, in terms of the offer, uh, this is one that we've been monitoring for a long time. He came down for a visit in November. Uh, he was back on campus in January. They got another look at him there. Um, the question there, you know, you, you play in Scranton, you're going to have your, your competition questioned. I don't think that that's a surprise to many people. Um, but you look at his tape and he, he runs away from people a lot. And, you know, those numbers are huge because he's, he's running away from, from competition that he's better than, um, you know, he, and he's running usually bouncing outside and going. So there's questions about what kind of runner is he, what kind of uh, finisher is he on inside runs and things like that. And I think Penn state just decided that they like him enough to, uh, to get themselves in it because you've got what Michigan state, you've got Boston college, Arizona state, a lot of, a lot of schools I think Iowa came through with an offer as well. So a lot of good running back schools came in. Um, so you're going to have your, give yourself the opportunity to be in that one. And, and, 
to be honest with you, I mean, this is one that he's been waiting for. I don't think he was shy about that. Um, this is one that he's been he's been really, really hoping for for a long time. And the, the other thing about uh, Montgomery is he, he's he got uh, documented speed. And that's something we talk about with a lot of guys, especially guys that, that already have offers, maybe some of those guys out of the region. You don't have the the 100 meters on, on tape. He's got a 10.99, I think it was. And he's got a good 200-meter time as well. So speed, really not the question there. Usually when you offer these guys, we talked uh, during the pandemic about guys like Corey Kiner. You didn't have like legitimate documented numbers on speed. You've got that on Montgomery. So that checks a big box right there into uh, is he athletic enough? Is he fast enough to make that happen? And he did that as a sophomore. So, I mean, you've still got two years worth of uh, track training and things like that. I, I hesitate, you know, it's kind of like journey. Um, you know, I, I hesitate to make that comparison because journey's faster. Um, but you've got guys that are similar size guys that were really tremendously productive. Obviously journeys, you know, playing in a, playing in Northwest Pennsylvania, just, you know, killed kids and ran away from kids um, in, in terms of, uh, in terms of his production, but, uh, Montgomery is tremendously productive. Um, and for a Pennsylvania running back, you, you run down the list of guys that they've offered and guys that they've landed. They've been pretty darn productive. And you look at the guys from out of the region and just haven't been as much. And, you know, I know they've hit some guys from Florida, um, but it's been, it's been Pennsylvania for a long time. And you don't, you're not used to saying that for, for skill position players, but, Saquon Barkley, Miles Sanders, Journey Brown. Uh, I mean, Nick Singleton's in the in, in the chamber right now. So there's there's a lot to like with Pennsylvania running backs. Yeah, apologies on the intro there. It's London Montgomery, not Landon Montgomery. Um, and, and Sean, elsewhere, um, you know, Penn State back on campus. They didn't wait long after spring break to start welcoming visitors. Top twenty four seven edge rusher was in town on Monday. Yeah, Cam Lenhart, a uh, kid from originally from Staten Island, played at Don Bosco Prep before transferring to IMG. He's been on the radar for a long time, came up to a couple of games last year, uh, kind of a tweener, um, uh, 6'3 defensive end. So is he, is he an interior guy? Um, you know, it's a, it's hard to say, but uh, he was up on Monday and and officially, I don't want to say the floodgates open because they don't have anybody on campus today as we record on Tuesday, but you'll start to see more visitors coming in through the next couple of weeks and weekends. And as they get into spring ball, and we posted some of that stuff on, on the site, uh, as they get into spring ball, you'll start to see more names pop up. Yeah, one of those names that popped up, caught up with him uh, yesterday, actually, quickly, Kobe Boykin uh, out of California is from Orange County, Orange High School, um, a guy that committed to Utah um, last month. But Penn State is a school that, that he's been in communication with. Terry Smith has been the point man there early. You're going to see Terry Smith associated with a lot of these California prospects if, if you read some of the coverage. Um, but Boykin is a guy at five foot eight, 170-ish pounds diminutive right now, but you watch the film and he, he made an immediate impression in one of the more talented areas of California. Uh, he went out there uh, as a freshman in 2021 in the spring, uh, bowled out. He's, he's And then last fall, Sean, 1,100 rushing yards, 600 receiving yards, 25 total touchdowns. We've got him listed as an athlete at 24-7 Sports. Greg Biggins uh, just saw him out at a uh, Under Armour camp in California and raved about him, called him one of the top performers. And he's going to be at Penn State very quickly coming off of an offer last week already lined up to be here for the final Saturday of March. Now, I want to reiterate, he's a 2024 prospect, um, but really feels good about his commitment to Utah, but not good enough not to get out here to Penn State. And he's a guy that I think, you know, keep an eye on because if the Pac-12 program starts swarming, the complexion of this thing changes. He got a lot of early offers in the Pac-12. None of those, uh, you know, didn't get one from Southern Cal, didn't get one from UCLA and, and the home and the hometown area, but got Arizona, got Arizona State. Obviously, Utah was in the mix early. Uh, but Penn State, the first, the Big Ten program to offer and very quickly going to get that cross-country trip. Um, again, five foot eight, I'm sure Penn State's going to want to eye him 
him up uh, and, and get a good look at, at him. But um, uh, the film speaks volumes, and he's a guy that's gone out and done it in the camp circuit. And that Southern California Under Armour camp, uh, if you can stand out there, you're a pretty darn good player. Yeah, and if you're a 2024 commit at this point um, and you're from, you know, no disrespect to Utah at all, but if you're a California kid committed to Utah, I mean, the odds that you're going to stick it probably don't play in your favor. I mean, obviously, Utah had a great season last year. It was a great program, um, but uh, you're going to that's not going to keep other schools away if the other schools want you. So that'll be an interesting one to watch. And for him to turn around and set up a visit right away. I know Penn State has has tried to make some some more inroads in California. Very tough place to recruit for Penn State because of the travel logistics and things like that. But I know Joe Lorig went out there quite a bit. Terry Smith is in Southern California. Um, you, you talk about, uh, you know, other uh the um, Roderick Pleasant, sorry, uh, California DB was Penn State was the first to offer him, and he's number sixty nine in the country, I think, by twenty four seven Sports. Just got a, a Polynesian Bowl um, uh, offer uh, commitment or whatever you you would call it with the Polynesian Bowl. So, uh, making making some attempts out there. I don't know that it's going to play out, but you know, it's probably going to be a spot where if you land one or two kids out from from out west, it it could be considered a success if those you know kids can play here. We'll be right back on the Lions twenty four seven podcast. Okay, picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, last year, we were thrilled to, to see prospect camps back at Penn State. We're getting the, the the full showcase here this summer. And Penn State added Wednesday camps. I know that's something that stood out to you. Uh, we, we got the full schedule. It's up on Lions 24-7. Uh, the first camp taking place June 5th. You got the Lions 7-on-7 seven seven, uh, that weekend. Um, and, and then wrapping up late July, July 30th is the final camp setting. And so along the way, a bunch happening. This is when offers are made uh, early or in the 2022 class or 2023 class at this point. Additionally, this is where your target board completely changes. This is where you get the variety, or this is where you get the, the variety of prospects on campus, line them up next to each other, keep a few of them after practice, all these sorts of things that you got to do a little bit last year and didn't get to do at all the recruiting cycle before. Just a huge stretch coming up for Penn State. And of course, we'll be there to cover the action. So you've got your constants in the weekend camps in June. You know, you, you've got that window from June 1st to I think June 24th uh, it is this year. or Sorry, June 27th this year. Um, and then, you know, you go in the summer dead period, which goes to, to mid to late July. Um, and then you open it up at the end of July for a week. Um, but they're trying to something a little bit different here. I think it's interesting because everybody's got the same schedule. You want to have your camps on the weekends. You want to, you know, be able to, you know, get your guys in during the week and, maybe take unofficial visits, but now you've got the opportunity to, uh, to, to, to bring them in midweek and work them out uh, on Wednesday camp. So I don't know how those Wednesday camps are going to go, um, but it gives you a chance to, to maybe work yourself into somebody's tour that is going from 
you know, Michigan to uh, North Carolina or something like that. You know, you're trying to hit the mid uh, the midweek crowd. And, and that's a place where, you know, uh, tours like the PPI, you know, the, 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 uh, the European kids that are coming around, they did not come around last year. Maybe that's a spot where you can differentiate yourself, say, Hey, we have this opportunity to work out on a Wednesday and, and make some things happen. So I, again, I don't know what those are going to look like, especially, you know, because they're June 15th and June 22nd. So that may interfere with some, some people's school. Um, but uh, I think it's a, it's a different idea to, I don't want to call it an innovative idea because other people have done it, but it's a different idea, trying something a little bit different. I think the important thing here, you've got two, um, two, uh, seven on seven and big man challenge. I think probably the second one, June 24th is going to be the big one, uh, because you know, the first one's on June, Friday, June 10th. And of course, you know, guys still could be in school by then. So, um, but, but those get a lot of prospects on campus, whether you know it at the time or not. I mean, how many times have we looked in and, and seen a guy pop up on, on, you know, our site or something like that and say, Oh, this guy was, you know, Josh Miller was at, uh, the big man challenge. And now all of a sudden he's committed and in Penn state's class. So yeah. I think that those are the important ones. You've Got your elite showcases, then of course at the end of July you've got a, a chance to get guys on campus, and that's when the lash bash is every year. And that's when it will be this year, so you get a chance to get those guys back on and, and work them out as well. Before his freshman year of high school, I remember Landon Tangwall turning heads at the Big Man Challenge. So you never know where it's going to come, whether it's a rising senior or a kid just getting into high school. It's it's a huge opportunity to get verifiable information on prospects from the region and beyond the region. And you mentioned this in, in your write up on the camp schedule yesterday. Guys like Omari Evans, Tyler Johnson, Jordan Vandenberg, they aren't on the roster right now if there's an opportunity for them to get in front of the coaching staff and work out in front of the coaching staff. Go back to guys like Malik Mega, Jair Brown, that, that we saw uh, you know, impress in the camp setting, get an offer, uh, solidify themselves as a target. It's it's huge. It's huge. And and I'm glad that it's I'm glad that this is just back and we don't have to worry about uh the virtual combine anymore. Uh, and, and you made a point there, and I don't know if it was intentional or not, but okay. you made a point about uh, Omari Evans and Tyler Johnson, Jordan Vandenberg. They came in last year, and they were doing this one-year thing with the NCAA where you could bring them in, work them out with the coaches on the field as like an individual workout. We talked about these last summer. Um, they were huge for Penn State. I mean, Omari Evans is not on this roster. If he doesn't come and rent a 4-3-1 or whatever he did, Tyler Johnson tested out of the uh, – you know. I, you know, out of his shoes as well. Um, you know, you've got an opportunity for these guys. And now I, I think those are going away. And that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I know, I know, you know, staffers across the country, you know, you, some people will bellyache about the extra work that goes into it, but it was really beneficial for some of these kids, especially coming out of the pandemic. And to be honest with you, we're not out of the um, sort of that cloud of guys that uh, haven't been I don't want to say fully exposed. That that doesn't sound right. Um, but but they haven't been able to get onto the map as much because they had to go through some of the same things. Now you're you're moving away from that, but at the same time, there are still going to be people that are guys that are hidden. So be interesting to see where those some of those guys stand. And and again, the way that scholarships go right now, you know, a lot of those check marks are meaningless. So until they get onto campus, until they work out with the coaching staff. Then you know you, you've got uh, you've you've got uh, questions about speed, questions about how they fit, and things like that. So taking away the individual workouts, and I don't I don't really see the point of why they would do away with them. But it sounds like they're going to. You don't understand why the NCAA would do something. That's that sounds so weird uh, and uncharacteristic of, of the NCAA. Sean, I, I I will note here, um, you get a chance here to to get all these guys on campus. And, and the point that you made, if you're a senior, a rising senior right now in this 2023 class. 
you may not have had a sophomore season. If you had a sophomore season, it may have been in the spring or it may have been three or four or five games, if that. And you probably didn't get a chance to get out and about on the camp circuit because that was really uh, condensed last year, non-existent when they were sophomores. So a huge spring, uh, potentially a launch pad for a lot of these players in Penn State will be welcoming hundreds of them to campus. Something to look forward here down the road. And, and I don't mean to cut you off, but I got yeah. a guy like Colby Young, wide receiver from Lackawanna, uh, was very productive as a freshman last year, listed at 6'3", 210. Penn State's on him. Uh, Penn State, uh, of course, uh, has worked out Lackawanna prospects in the past. It didn't work at receiver last time, but they, they offered Jair Brown after camp. And, you know, they obviously love Brisker from the jump. But, uh, you know, that that's one of those things where you're going to have to bring him in and have him camp against high schoolers. And that's going to leave a little bit of ambiguity in terms of what he is as a prospect. You can still get his 40. You can still get his vertical and all that kind of stuff physically but you know when you're two years older than those guys and you've played some semblance of college ball you should be able to dominate we saw those guys dominate at one point uh you know and and you know for for the Jair Brown that you got you also got Norval Black so that's uh that's leaving questions so a guy like uh a guy like Colby Young would be one that would come in for one of those individual workouts see how he goes um, you know, what you're used to or putting up, put him up against what you're used to seeing with your eyes for your college prospects and see if you can fit in. So I think it's going to hurt guys like that. Last time we dropped the podcast, uh, the NFL combine was just ahead. We had Jesse Lucchetta to look at that. And coming out of that scouting combine now more than a week away from from that showcase event in Indianapolis, I think it's very clear when you review the results for those eight Penn State participants and, and several of them did not really fully participate or participate at all. Uh, it's going to be huge. March 24th here on campus, pro day, a lot to prove for several of them. Yeah, I mean, you still have some questions that, uh, that you want to get answered. I think some of those guys did did, did pretty well for themselves. Dotson's 4-4-3, we're talking about how slow it seems right now based on his uh, his time last year, which is just absolutely ridiculous. 11th among receivers, he, he can run perfectly fine. Arnold Abikati, uh explosive as we had hoped he had been. Uh, unfortunately, Jesse got uh, got hurt and wasn't able to do field work. Uh, Brandon Smith uh, tested well. And, um, you know, Tariq Castro-Fields, I think, helped himself probably more than anybody. I think he was, what, 90 in next-gen stats, had him in like 97 overall in terms of athleticism skills, a 4-3-8, which was you know a little bit faster than we had him uh, expected to go, so that was good. Uh, I think Brisker got uh, twin twinged up a little bit as well, um, and of course the biggest disappointment there, Jordan Stout's forty, not nearly as fast as as we had hoped. Not even top among punters. I hope you didn't put money on that one. Uh, it, it was it, look. I, I review the results here. Rasheed Walker. We talked about him. Have I, I, you know? I said going into it, he had the most to lose. He didn't participate physically, um, so I, I, you know, obviously he's, he's out there. two months off of crutches. We don't yeah. know where he's at in his recovery, so it wasn't a big expectation for him to work out. But right. you're right, you're right. I mean, this is one. This is a guy that's going to have to get in front of people and show how athletic he is, show how physical he can be, and that's just another opportunity off the table. And I don't think you can hold it against him because of no. the injury. Um, I'm sure there's there's doctors and team doctors and things like that and GMs that know more about his injury than, than we're going to get. But, uh, you know, I think that that any opportunity that you have to get in front of them, I mean, you've got, uh, I think that's, that's going to be a big question for Rashid. Yeah. He missed the last few games of his Penn state career prior to that. 
it wasn't his best football in a Nittany Lions uniform. Uh, and now he's uh, off the field in Indianapolis, of course, still an opportunity for him to, to get around NFL scouts and, and decision makers and, and do some of the off-field stuff. But shapes up a, as a key pro day for him in particular. And also for Jesse Lucetta now, who, who I told you I thought had the most to gain uh, from the NFL combine. If he could go out there and, and look the part and, and get people to buy into him as an NFL edge rusher, he was testing with the edge players, although he was listed as a linebacker on the NFL scouting combine roster. But you mentioned hobbled up in that 40 yard dash. He ended up not doing position work. So really going to be important for him to get out there for pro day. Uh, that's going to be contingent, I suppose, on his health. Um, by the way, Brandon Smith, top five in linebackers in vertical, broad and 40 yard dash at, at 250 pounds. We weren't surprised that he would be a physical specimen. Um, but you know, those are just a few things that popped up to me uh, that, you know, coming out of Indy. Someone's going to fall in love with him, man. Like and you put up those numbers at that size. You know, I know that I know what the tape says, but somebody's going to fall in love with him and take him higher than, than Penn State fans think he'll, he'll deserve to go. No doubt about it. Um, elsewhere in the NFL, uh, big paydays for some former Penn State players. Chris Godwin franchise tag for the second straight year. He's coming off of a season-ending injury. He's got Tom Brady back, but he does not have that long-term contract in hand just yet. Uh, right now, if, if he has to settle, and I say settle with air quotations, $19 million uh, for that franchise tag for Chris Godwin. And then Mike Gesicki uh, with the Miami Dolphins getting the franchise tag, which is valued at about $11 million at the tight end position. You're seeing some silly money getting spent by NFL teams right now and probably no more so than the wide receiver position. And Allen Robinson, uh, and I hope people didn't forget about this guy because he was stuck with a really, really rough situation with the Chicago Bears offensively in recent years. And he was injured last year. Someone's going to hit a home run by signing Allen Robinson. And uh, I, I don't know if he's going to get paid as much as some of the names we have seen, but probably won't get paid enough because of the circumstances he's coming off of. Probably not. And he's probably not, he's not going to get paid number one money. And that's obviously something that, that he got uh, when he went to Chicago. So, um, but somebody's going to be happy with him. I think he's going to, you know, once he gets healthy and, and ready to go and you don't put your entire focus on him and you don't get uh, Chicago bears quarterbacks or current Pittsburgh Steelers quarterbacks throwing to him, um, then, then I think he'll be in a good, a good situation. So I think for him, I would love to see him figure out uh, what, what is an ideal situation, what, uh, where he can win. I just, I just feel bad for Allen. He went, went, went Jacksonville, went to Chicago. He's never really had a chance to win. I see Detroit's, you know, been, you know, floated out there, although he's a Detroit kid, but would love to see him in the playoffs at some point. Yeah, the Lions, the Jets, uh, two of the four teams reported by Ian Rappaport wouldn't really fit the bill there. I don't know if the Browns would either. Raiders might. Those were the four teams Ian Rappaport reported. By the time you hear this podcast, he may have found a home. Things moving quickly in NFL free agency. One last note here, Penn State wide receiver, another dealing with uh, injury recovery. And we hope KJ Hamler is back up to full speed by the time the Denver Broncos open their training camp this summer. Uh, a lot of people thought he was going to have a big year, too. He was lost early. But, hey, KJ Hamler. Say goodbye to Drew Locke, meet Russell Wilson. That might be fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's going to be fun for Hamler. Uh, you know, Russell Wilson has been obviously very productive, and and he's a guy that can improvise, and and that's a good thing for Hamler. So yes. I'm, I'm excited to see that offense. I mean, you all of a sudden, if you're Denver, and I see, you know, you say things are changing. We went on the air with Randy Gregory signing with the uh, the Cowboys, and now all of a sudden he's signed with the uh, Broncos. So things wow. are changing in the minute. So it's it's fun to watch that. It's fun to 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 do the uh, NFL free agency to bring baseball back and do their free agency all at once. It's uh, it's good times. And the commander's Carson Wentz jersey, I assume, is, is in route. No, stop. Just stop. <laughs> stop.
<laughs> that was quick. All right, Sean, I, I did include this because because uh, you know you're a basketball guy. We don't talk about it here on the podcast much, but obviously you've got your finger on the pulse of what Penn State is doing. Year one under Mike Shrewsbury came to an end. Uh, put up a good fight in the Big Ten Conference tournament, obviously upsetting Ohio State, lasting longer in that tournament than anyone anticipated. Uh, but the season ends. Uh, just curious on, on your thoughts following that first year under Shrewsbury. It's encouraging. I mean, I, I don't think anybody expected this to be the year. And obviously they've got some pieces to replace uh, with John Har leaving. Um, but uh, you're going to get Jalen Pickett back next year, which is I, I really enjoyed watching him play. Um, but yeah, I mean, you have to take the step now from it's great that this team plays really hard for Micah Shrewsbury to you have to fill with talent. You got to fill, you know, with shooters and things like that and and start turning some of those ones. Um, you know, they, they finished sub 500, but there were a couple games that got away from they could have been a 500 ball club. So you've got to turn from and I know that's the expectation with Penn State basketball all the time. You've got to turn from scrappy underdogs they play hard to they, they start out going out and winning ball games so um we'll see what happens we were talking i was talking with lance a little bit before he seems like it's at a, a rutgers like crossroads where they were a couple of years ago and if penn state can build into a into a tournament team eventually you know it's going to mean that they've brought in talent i know adam fisher is a tremendous recruiter um you know they've got work to do on that front to to replenish the roster restock the roster but uh you know i think it's encouraging they were that team in indy that that people didn't want to play they went in and and upset Ohio State, which is obviously this you know a big deal um, in that mini rivalry right there. But uh, you know I think that it's encouraging the way that they came away from it. Uh, they won't play in the postseason, but uh, you know you like the step that they took uh, under Micah Shrewsbury, even though there's there's certainly um, improvement to be made in coaching and certain improvement to be made in playing and and things like that. But uh, it, it's a good step forward. I don't think anybody's looking at them as uh, potential Big Ten champs anytime soon. But uh, it's a step forward. And it's a program that rounded out uh, the 24-7 Sports Top 25 recruit class rankings. Uh, so some talent coming in. By the way, Shrewsbury is set to meet with media this week for a postseason uh, recap of his first season at Penn State. So look for coverage of all that and more on lines247.com from basketball beat reporter Mark Brennan. Sean, it's mailbag time. And, and while we were away, a few more questions popped up on our five-star mailbag over at Apple Podcasts. We appreciate those. We'll get to them. We hope we have some more uh, to, to review as well. Do that at Apple Podcasts five-star rating and review and whatever you want to know about the Nittany Lions recruiting football otherwise Sean this is a bit of a loaded question so stay with me here I know it's early to tell and it's completely contingent on how the season plays out but what are your early predictions on the tight end depth chart after this season if they have a good year do Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson make the NFL leap if they don't do they transfer what about Tyler Warren and Khalil Dinkins? Do they get playing time this year, or do they focus on the top two guys with Warren sprinkled in? And is it safe to assume Jerry Cross red shirts? This question hits to all fields. I can respect it. Get it in. It's about five questions in one. There's a, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think the easy one, safe to say, Jerry Cross redshirts. I do think he redshirts. You know, he hasn't played a ton of football, so I wouldn't be surprised. And he's got to reshape his body and and really get in with that and and become. It, it's funny to look at guys like Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren, and then look at uh, a guy like uh, Jerry Cross. And Jerry Cross is a big guy. He's a different kind of big with Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. So um, that, that that that's my first answer there. Um, I think Warren gets playing time this year. Um, you know, we we kind of had him as a, as a fringe guy last year, and then we saw him in play a bunch. And uh, I don't think Penn State's been shy about rotating tight ends in, playing 12 personnel, getting those guys on. Um, I, I think, first off, before we start a tight end conversation, all those guys got to be better. 
I mean, oh, yeah. let, let's just throw it out there first. I know that they came in with a lot of hype last year, under-delivered. Um, those guys have to be better. They have to be better all around. They've got to be guys that can put their hand in the dirt and block, and and they did not do a good job of that last year. They had some key drops, so underperformed all around last year. Uh, I don't think there's any question about it. Um, that said, that, that they were talked up for a reason. There's a lot of talent there. Um, I have Theo Johnson making a leap and and being the number one guy out of that group this year. I know Brenton Strange has the numbers, had more catches, more touchdowns and things like that. Um, but I think Theo Johnson just is, is he, I think he's a freak. I think he's got a potential to be, you know, a top level tight end in the big 10 and, and potentially nationally, he's got to make improvements. He's got to be more consistent and and they got to get him the ball, to be honest with you. I, I think they were, you know, un, they under delivered, but also they were probably a bit underserved as well. So, um, so I think Theo Johnson can make that leap. Uh, Brenton Strange is in a he's in a, a a tough position right now because I think he's a really good football player. Um, but I think the guy behind him could could overtake him and go from there. So be interesting to see where Strange is a year from now. He can be productive. I think he'd be a part of that. But I think Tyler Warren's right there with him. I mean, we we can we tend to list those two guys and then that gap between Warren. But I think Warren showed at the end of last season he can make some catches now. As we play the caveat game, Tyler Warren just had five catches last year. So, it, you know, we, we remember the big catch down the field um, late in the season. But at the same time, you know, five catches doesn't really move the needle. So those guys will be interesting. Uh, as far as the 2022 depth chart, I don't know. Theo would be the one to me that would make that leap if, if any of them were to leave for the NFL. I think it would be Theo Johnson because he's got the size, he's got the physical ability, and he could certainly run. Um, but, uh, yeah, it will be interesting to see. And Dingens um, – a guy that I've sort of beat the drum with that I'd love to see on defense because I think he's a heck of a football player. This is a guy that I saw at the lifting thing last week. And I was like, who's the hell is this guy? Like, <laughs> he's huge. He looked like a defensive end. I um, mean, you know, he's, he's really put on weight about 240 right now. Um, so I don't think he's ready to go in terms of where those first three guys are. Um, but I think that he's a really good athlete. It's going to be tough to uh, tough to deny him at some point. I just don't think he's, he's there. I think Dinkins and Cross, you know, solidly behind those other three. So, uh, you know, it's a position that's exciting to see. As I said, the talent hasn't gone away. I mean, the, the stuff like that just doesn't disappear. They just have to do more with it, and that's a coaching thing, and that's a that's a player performance thing as well. Yeah, Pat Fryer moved. Tyler Bowen left. We've looked at the talent in this room, said you can probably weather that storm. Ultimately, that was not the case as the season went through. There was a lot of shortcomings offensively. That was part of it. Um, but I, I'm with you. I think if anyone is making that leap to the NFL after the season from this group, it is Theo Johnson because he's – uh, absolutely the kind of specimen that is going to go out to Indianapolis and put on a show. Uh, additionally, I just think he has some serious big playability. I mean, when he, the touches were limited, but he was producing 20 plus yard gains at a clip that was pretty startling, um, especially early in the year when he was getting one, uh, two targets every once in a while. Would love to see that volume go up for him. Of course, just like you said, they're going to have to check the box as a blocker. If, if anyone wants to be on the field every down, you got to be able to get the job done and create some room and rushing lanes. Um, I, I look at Theo, I, I look at not just Theo Johnson, maybe supplanting Brenton Strange in that number one role, although it was largely a, a shared role. Uh, but Tyler Warren's coming on strong too. And, and, and I'm curious, you know, it's no surprise to hear he's did a great job in the weight room and he's, a, he's, he's an athlete. These are all athletic specimens, but Tyler Warren is the guy that we've talked about for a while being you know up there maybe with with a Theo Johnson or or close to it in terms of just an athletic pedigree that you're bringing in what he didn't have was that track record of, of being a guy running routes and and certainly blocking these are not things he did at the high school level and now he's through two years I think he's ahead of where we thought he would be 
And will he take the step next step? And, and will Penn State continue to explore him as a rusher? We, we saw a little bit of that, of the goal line situation. I'm sure people will be fine to see a guy like Nick Singleton maybe carrying the ball instead of uh, Tyler Warren. But uh, they love this kid's versatility. Um, and, and although the, the you're looking for more numbers from all three of those players, those are the three we're talking about. Dinkins on the fringe. We'll, we'll see what, what comes of his career here in year two. But to me, Tyler Warren – he is a piece that I think could could move up in a hurry. And Theo Johnson, I'm with you. I'd be surprised if he wasn't the leader in, in snaps and uh, receptions for Penn State as long as he is healthy in 2022. And I, I know there's was asked about who transfers. I, I don't like to speculate on that kind of stuff, Aaron. That's not something that you and I have really done, speculating who's going to transfer. But obviously, if guys – are, are through a certain stretch of their career and they're not seeing the production and they maybe don't feel like it's going to come their way with the program. They could seek uh, other opportunities, but I think it's too early in the conversation for any of these guys to make any kind of leap or, or we're singling somebody out. Yeah. Yeah. And you could probably phrase it, you know, we do that now or never sometimes. And I think Brenton Strange is in an interesting place and mm -hmm. I think he can break out and, and have a, you know, a pretty good impact on this offense. Um, but uh, yeah, I think just, he doesn't have, he doesn't bring, physically what Theo Johnson brings. So there's questions there. And again, this is one where I'd like to see better usage of the tight ends. This is a, this is a group that you can put in the slot. This is a group that you can play at receiver and, and move them around and create, try, try and create mismatches. And I don't think they did a, you know, a tremendous job of that last year. And sometimes, and other times they tried to, you know, shoehorn it in and force feed it. So, uh, you know, there's plenty of questions about Mike Yersich here about what he can do with the tight ends, how much they can, you know, lean on those guys. Can they be red zone threats and things like that? That'll be something we talk about over the next uh, several months. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, I still think it's a good group. And that, and that's the thing. Like I know uh, running back and tight end both underperformed last year, but there's still talent to be had there. I think I feel more confident in the talent in the tight end room than the running back room that's coming back. Uh, maybe that's because we didn't see as much, or maybe the running backs were a little bit more exposed than the tight ends, but uh, yeah, they need to be better. They need to be better used. And I think if they, if they do that, they can take that next step. But uh, it was a, got a, got, got the card a little bit ahead of the horse last year with those tight ends. Yeah. The complete, stat line f combined for Brenton Strange and Theo Johnson over the 2021 season, 13 games, 39 catches, 438 yards, four touchdowns. Again, that's combined. Uh, putting the cart before the horse, saying that anybody's going to make an NFL leap out of this group. Uh, they got a lot of work to do to, to, to justify that kind of a move uh, next winter. Sean, that's going to do it for this episode. It was a catch-up episode. Next time we sit down here and record, we're going to put the, the, the focus on the spring ball that's going to start next Monday, talk about key camp storylines. Anything else to add as we've been away for a couple of weeks almost? No, I think we got pretty well caught up. Hopefully we can do that a little bit more later this week. And we appreciate those mailbag questions. As you said, a few came in over the break. I know some people were were anxious to to get this this new episode in their inbox. So hopefully this will hold you over until Thursday. Um, but continue to send those in Apple Podcasts. Leave your five-star review. Leave your questions there. We will be happy to do a podcast episode entirely on mailbag questions because it's spring and it gets slow a little bit sometimes. Hopefully not much longer because we've got uh, spring practice coming in next week, visitors and things like like that check us out on the site at lines 24 7 but yeah i think that's my that's my pitch for the five star mailbag questions because we you know we love to be told what to talk about you do this rundown every week and sometimes you're scraping a little bit harder than others but we love uh we love reading those questions well you're scraping a lot in january and february which we survived we got football on the horizon now congrats again to our producer lance glenn for getting married to his gorgeous wife and congratulations uh to sean for surviving his spring break stay with boys um i'm tyler donahue we'll be back next 
uh, next episode on Thursday, I believe, uh, here on the Lions 24-7 podcast. We'll catch up with you then. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.